Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the African Football Roundup. Uh, to be completely honest, I was kind of waiting on this episode um, to kind of make it a reaction to the 2023 CAF Awards in case there was any controversy, any drama. Um, and as controversial as the short lists of these finalists were, um, you know, the, the final top three, I don't think any of the actual winners were controversial decisions. So congratulations to Victor Osimhen, um, African Player of the Year. He's who I voted for. I see such Oshuala is less of a unanimous decision, but I, I think people can understand um, that decision as well. And I think most of them were quite logical choices. So instead, what we're going to do today is we are going to uh, do an AFCON preview since we are just 30 days away from the 2023 African Cup of Nations, which actually is going to be played in 2024. So what we're going to do is, is, is an early preview of this Cup of Nations. Um, I had done a video like this earlier on in the calendar year. Um, and at the time, we didn't even know who had qualified. And I called that video a too early prediction for the Cup of Nations. This one is just an early prediction of the Cup of Nations. We're only 30 days away. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take 24 teams, all 24 teams, and I'm going to place them into categories of favorites, contenders, dark horses, and then the last category is here for a good time. And I'm going to try to justify those choices. I'm not going to go into too much detail for each of these countries. They're just going to be general thoughts um, because what we're going to be doing over the next month or so as well is we're going to be speaking to journalists or experts from each of these countries, every single one of them. And they're going to be previewing and breaking down their respective teams in detailed analysis. So without any further ado, let's get down to it and let's look at this very early 2023 African Cup of Nations prediction. So the first thing when we look at the any African Cup of Nations, I think we automatically have to make the defending champions and the hosts we have to sort of place them as favorites. That's usually the case for, you know, 90% of the tournaments. So automatically, Senegal as defending champions, Cote d'Ivoire as hosts automatically go there. Now, who else are actual favorites? And by favorites, what I mean is these are sides that you would expect to see at least in the semifinals. Um, and you wouldn't at all be shocked to see them actually win this tournament. Um, I think most people would put Morocco here. And I'm more inclined to disagree. I think Morocco has shown some interesting vulnerability since the World Cup. Um, you know, it, what was interesting about their World Cup run was that every single one of their matches that they had less ball possession in, they actually won or drew. And every single match that they had more ball possession in, including the semifinal against France, they actually lost. And that was a trend that carried on after the World Cup as well. And Morocco is a team that we're going to expect, I think, to see um, hold on to the ball, at least have more ball possession, you know, than, than a lot of their opponents, especially in the group stages. And so that's one of the things I think we're going to see them maybe struggle with, not to mention that they don't really have a very reliable striker, in my opinion. I think that could be a problem. So I, I think they might struggle to score goals. They might be a little bit vulnerable. Um, but if they get into the knockout stages, I think Morocco will be dangerous. So we have Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, Morocco. And the final team that I have as a favorite, and this might come as a surprise to some, is actually Egypt. Um, the most successful side ever at the African Cup of Nations. Now, why Egypt? Egypt, I think when, you know, Jose Mourinho talked about football heritage, 
I think that was one of the most incredible speeches in, in, in football history. And I think it very much applies in tournaments. Egypt are, of course, the all-time winners. But look at their results over the last three tournaments. They've made it to the final of the last three tournaments. <clears throat> sorry, of two of the last three tournaments, 2017, 2021. And they're pretty much returning the same side. Mohamed Shinawi is still the goalkeeper. Uh, you still have players like uh, Mohamed Abdelmunim, who was there uh, last time around. Uh, you still have players like... Um, I'm blanking on names now, but uh, Tariq Hamad just retired, so that's not a good example. But, you know, uh, obviously the front line, Trezeguet, Salah, Kahraba, um, all of these players are players that have been there from, for really since 2017. Some have been there even prior to that. And I think that experience will play a role. And the fact, so experience is one of their strengths. Football heritage is another. And finally, Besides Nigeria, or maybe even better than Nigeria, Egyptian strikers or their forwards or attackers have been the most form, in form in Europe. So Mohamed Salah has had a great start to the season. Mustafa Mohamed at Nantes, their striker. Um, Trezeguet or Omar Marmouche at Eintracht Frankfurt, also been very, very good. Um, so I think they're clicking in just the right amount of time. The coach, I think, has a lot of trust in Egypt. They're obviously, they know how they want to play. They know their identity. They're going to play defensive. Uh, they're going to have a very destructive midfield. They're going to recycle possession, and then they're going to get the ball to that a talented attacking line, and they're just going to score enough goals to win the match. So I think Egypt is going to be my fourth and final, um, fourth and final team that I have as a favorite. So let's go on to the contenders. <coughs> Excuse me. So for the contenders, I have... Algeria, my country, as a, as one of the contenders. Um, and by contenders here, I mean this is a team that you can expect to see in the in the quarterfinals. You wouldn't be at all be surprised to see them win it. So we have Algeria, we have Nigeria. Um, Algeria have a new team. Uh, sorry, I didn't speak about them. They have a new squad, a lot of new talent. Players like Ryan Aitnouri from Wolves. Players like Hossam Awar from Roma. Um uh, uh, players like Emin Guiri from Ren. Uh, these are all very highly talented, you know, prodigies. And they've been blooded into the side by Jamal Belmadi, who was criticized for really holding on to too many of his older players from the 2019 AFCON winning side um, and not really blooding in new players. But as they were eliminated from the World Cup, Jamal Belmadi decided to make those changes. And I'm not sure we're there yet with Algeria. We're still seeing uh, problems in central defense, we're still seeing problems in defensive midfield. And it's just not looking right on the pitch. They're lacking a little bit of team chemistry. So Algeria have the talent, I think, but it still hasn't clicked yet. When I see it click, then I could think about them as favorites. Nigeria, boy, I mean, how many times have we talked about them? It's been the same narrative for the last two, three years. On the pitch, very talented, one of the most talented sides in Africa. We know that especially the strikers or the front line, probably one of the deepest in the world. Victor Osman just won African uh, Player of the Year. We know what to, it's going to be his first AFCON, so I'm actually very excited to see what he can do there. But we know Nigeria have a lack of depth in midfield. We know that their goalkeepers have been making critical errors in the last few years. And the coach, Jose Pesero, I think is someone that doesn't have the... <laughs> Unlike Egypt's Rivatoria, who has the confidence of the nation, I don't think uh, Jose Pesero at all has the confidence of the nation. 
Um, so we'll, we still have them as contenders, surely because we still have them as contenders just because of the amount of talent they have. Um, our next set of contenders are going to be Cameroon. Cameroon, I think, on paper, are more talented than Nigeria, probably just as talented or maybe even more talented than Algeria. For me, they're one of the most talented sides on the continent, and they have a lot of good experience as well. I love their squad. I think their starting 11 is tailor-made for the AFCON, and they can win it. But the, their weakness is a major weakness, and that's the coach Rigo Bersong. I do not trust him. And I think anybody that knows football doesn't really trust Rigo Bersong, including many people in Cameroon. Um, he just doesn't simply seem to be a good coach. He's probably put in the position of a coach because Samuel Eto'o is his friend. And he kind of lucked out with that last second victory in Algeria, and uh, which got him to the World Cup. But since then, I mean, look at his record. Simply not good enough. And especially for his starting 11. So that's why I have them as contenders, because their squad is good enough like Nigeria's, but I have major, major questions about the coaching. Speaking of talented squads and major questions about the coaching, let's throw Ghana up there. Um, I mean, the last window of FIFA World Cup qualifying have been very disappointing for Ghana and Nigeria as they dropped matches or lost to, to teams like Lesotho or, or Comoros and teams that they should be beating as, you know, historic heavyweights on the continent. So Ghana, we all know, have a great side. Probably not as talented as those sides of, you know, 2008, 2010, up until 2015. But still, they still have a lot of good young talent. And, and obviously, the, the cream of the crop is Mohamed Kudus. Chris Hewton, though. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. He's obviously proven. He's have a, He has a lot of experience. But it's similar to what's happening with Pesero in Nigeria, where I just feel that the public don't have confidence in him. And as a result, I mean, they're, they're dropping points. They're playing very defensive. Uh... They seem to be lacking confidence and momentum. And so they can always turn it around because Ghana are, you know, Ghana are Ghana. But I have them in the contenders and I think that's could even be being a bit generous with them. They could have dropped them down into dark horses. And finally, we have two more sides in the contenders. We have we have Mali and we have Tunisia. So Mali um so Mali actually, uh, unlike Nigeria, unlike Cameroon, who we say, or, or Ghana, who we've been talking about having troubles very recently, Mali are very, very hot. Since they named their coach Eric Schell, um, I believe he's coached in uh, 13 matches. He's won nine, he's drawn two, and he's only lost one. Or is that 12 matches? I believe that's 12 matches. <coughs> but that is his record. I'm sure of it. And so he's like really in the new mold of African coaches like Jamal Belmadi, like Ali Ussisse, like Walid Regragiam in Morocco. Um, he's, you know, a young coach that has his license, uh, his, cap, his, you know, his pro license. Um, he has his coaching badges. He's a former Mali international. The players like him. They trust him. And they've been getting great results. And, and not just against poor opposition. They beat the likes of Saudi Arabia and friendlies. So they look really good. 
but Mali are perennial contenders or dark horses, and they never really get over the hump. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the quarters or the semis um, this time around as well. And finally, Tunisia. Tunisia, are, they blow hot and cold. We never really know what to expect from them. Six months ago, I was really confident in the team. They had a nice friendly against Algeria. They they looked like they looked coherent. They knew what they were doing. They were just lacking a number nine, kind of like Morocco. This summer, they went over to uh, Far East Asia. They played in a tournament called the Kirin Cup, a tournament that they actually won last year. And this year, phew, I to believe they lost 3-0 to South Korea, 4-0 uh, to Japan, or, or maybe I got those results mixed up. But it was just like, who is this team? It's really Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, so I was in Tunisia, you know, a, a couple weeks back and I was trying to pull, you know, like my friends and just the general public. Anytime I had a chance to speak to Tunisians, hey, what do you think about the coach Jalal Qadri? What do you think about the team? And uh, the general consensus was that the coach is limited, uh, very limited, and that Tunisia simply don't have, you know, like the, the budget to pay like a really good experienced coach like maybe Egypt does or or Morocco or or even Algeria. And so there's that problem. And the other problem was that they, sometimes we feel like some of their best players were playing in the same position. And for me, like one of the journalists that told me this, I think he was spot on. He was talking about Isa Al-Aidouni and Elias Khiri, who he thinks are both really good number sixes. But sometimes you only need to play with one number six and so in midfield. And so... Still, I think Tunisia, you know, if it can, it can click, and if it can click, nobody knows the art of winning, the art of getting results like Tunisia. So it wouldn't at all surprise me to see in the semifinals as they've made it uh, in several tournaments uh, in the very recent future as well. So let's move on to the dark horses. Dark horses for me are sides that are going to play good football, probably going to get out of the group stages, and are going to be building something for the future. Here I have... Uh, South Africa, and I made, I was I was really talking good about South Africa in, in, during the international break, saying Bafana are back, and then they go and they lose to Rwanda in tough conditions, albeit, but, but still. Um, so I have Bafana as a dark horse who I think, you know, with that that skeleton of sundowns, plus the sprinklings of, you know, Percy Tau and, and a few other quality pieces, um, I think we'll do enough to get out of the group stages and maybe, maybe make it to a quarterfinal, but I still think are lacking a little bit of quality in the right areas um, to really make it far and, and win this tournament. Other team I'm going to have here is DR Congo, who, like Mali, are very, very hot. Um, they they were in trouble with AFCON qualifying, actually, and they looked like they weren't going to qualify. And since they hired Sebastian de Sabra, their coach, they've been winning nonstop. And Congo, actually, DR Congo, if it, like Nigeria, they have really uh, a whole host of, of strikers. That I think that people uh, kind of underrate players like Jackson Muleka, Cedric Bakambu. I'm not saying these are spectacular players, but they're serviceable. And so with the Sabra and, and these players, it seems like there seems to be some unity, some cohesion, and I think they can get out of the group stages. Uh, we also have Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso, I was more confident in them six months ago as well. But they um, the, the problem with Burkina Faso is... It's hard to judge some of these teams during international breaks because they're not playing matches at home. And sometimes that can, you know, paper over some of the cracks that other teams like such as like Ghana or Nigeria will have. Burkina Faso is not playing at home. Um, and as a result, I maybe sometimes they draw a match that they should win, you know. Uh, 
Um, but I, I do like a lot of the players on this team. I like Isa Kabore, who had a recent injury. I don't know if he's going to be playing at the Cup of Nations. I like Dango Watara. The striker, Lasina Traore, has injury problems, but it would be great to see him. So many good players. Of course, uh, Tapsoba in defense. Um, they have another really good young defender who I'm blanking on his name. And even, even like in midfield, a lot of you know underrated players who are very serviceable, very industrial, and who I think people won't recognize, but who will give your, your, your team superstar players a lot of trouble. Gustavo Sangari is an example. Ibrahim Blatitori is another. So Burkina is a team that, you know, you can underestimate at your own <laughs> at your own peril. Uh, Guinea, I think if they play a 3-5-2 and they line up with their best players and their players are healthy, can give anybody trouble. Look at, you know, the midfield of like Amadou Diawara, um, Nabi Keita, Ilyax Moriba. It's a pretty great midfield, isn't it? Uh, Mohamed Bayo was one of the better strikers, you know, in the top two divisions in France over the last two, three years. He can play as a striker. Yeah, I'm not saying he was he's like a star player in France, but he's he's been respectable. Um, Siru Girassi, one of the hottest names in world football. He's been setting records in the Bundesliga. If he can be healthy and he can play for Guinea, I mean, you have those two strikers, those three midfielders. It's not bad, right? So Guinea, I mean, they have the players. Um, they Like Eric Shelley from Mali, they, have, they brought in Kabadiawara, a former player. Young guy, can he push them? I, I don't know. I, I mean, we talked about, I'm vaunting all the qualities of Guinea, but then I watched him in the most recent uh, international window and I was dis- very, very disappointed. So I didn't actually like what Kaba Diawara did. So again, on paper is one thing and in reality is another. So that's why I have them here as dark horses. And the last two teams I'm going to have as dark horses are two of the hottest teams in Africa at the moment, Equatorial Guinea and Zambia. Zambia, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they finished ahead of the Ivory Coast in AFCON qualifying. Um, Their front three are very, very good. Patsendaka is always great with the copper bullets. On the left, you have Fashion Sakala. On the right, you have Lamek Banda. Um, just so fun. They score a lot of goals, but they concede a lot of goals. And that's why I don't have them as contenders. And Equatorial Guinea are also one of the hottest teams uh, in Africa. Um, they showed at the last AFCON that they played with a lot of cohesion, even though they don't have the best players. Um, and they play for their coach. And their coach, Juan Micho, has you know, gotten really good results over the last 24 months. And I think he's going to bring a really cohesive side uh, there. And finally, in the category here for a good time, we have the rest of these wonderful, respectable nations. And here, I don't mean it. I don't mean this like derogatorily here for a good time. I really do mean like they're here to really build, progress, um, make their country proud, perhaps make a run. You know, that it's not impossible. Uh, we've seen Madagascar do that. We've seen Comoros do that in recent tournaments. But I do think they're just lacking in too many areas to consider them dark horses or contenders. So we'll start with um, we'll start with Angola. Angola maybe could have been dark horses. I think they have the quality to be dark horses, uh, but it's just been a while since they've been at an Afcon, and I don't trust them. I don't trust the players that they have that are older that have experience, but they don't have experience playing on the African continent. And then they have a lot of talented youngsters that don't have experience playing at this level. So uh, experience is a problem for Angola. Um, Tanzania have been 
you know, quietly building in the past uh, under coach Adel Amrush, they got some really impressive results. They haven't lost against, you know, like teams that they've come up against, like, uh, you know, uh, Morocco and Algeria. They've lost, but not by much. Um, so they're playing good football. Um, you know, the criticisms of Amrush at the beginning were that he maybe didn't know the side. Uh, he was like including random players. He was leaving out a lot of influential players. But Tanzania, they have, you know, a lot of veterans. And I think those veterans are going to help them uh, maybe make a respectable run. Namibia are going to be interesting. Namibia and Mozambique have, you know, uh, a lot of players playing in the PSL. Uh, players that I think, you know, uh, players like Peter Shalilile uh, that, you know, I think have proven that our quality, you know, on the continent, we know them. Uh, and they've been getting good results, but their qualifying wasn't the most difficult and they haven't really proven much yet. It's been such a while since we've seen them, you know, at this level consistently that I don't think they can make it far. Um, finally, Mauritania with Amir Abdu as a coach. Amir Abdu is a really good coach, former coach of Comoros. He's done a great job with Mauritania, lacking too much quality. Guinea-Bissau have been quietly also very much like, like Tanzania, like Mauritania. They've been building something over the last, you know, three or four tournaments. They've been consistently qualifying, just lacking the quality. Um, and Cape Verde and Gambia, I think, actually have better players, for example, than a Guinea-Bissau. Um, here, I, I know, like, people love coaches like Tom St. Feet and, and, you know, he's, he's a, a gentleman and he's accessible. I just think he can be outclassed when he comes against the likes of, you know, Walid Ugragi or Rivitoria or, or even Elios Hisse or Jamal Boumadi. So that's my early 2023 African Cup of Nations prediction. Um, sorry if it took a little bit longer than usual. And uh, <laughs> I hope that we are going to have a great tournament. I can't believe we're only 30 days away. But uh, I'm counting the seconds with bated breath. So uh, keep it locked because, like I said, over the next month, we're going to be interviewing journalists or experts from each one of those countries uh, that have qualified to the African Cup of Nations. And we're going to be previewing each team in depth. So I hope you're looking forward to that. And let me know if you agree with some of these categories. Who would be in your favorites? Who would be your contenders? Who would be your dark horses? And who's here for a good time uh, in Abidjan? Who's just here to eat some aloko? All right. Thanks for listening. Keep it locked and, and we'll speak to you soon on Friday for another episode of the African Five Aside podcast. Thank you. Take care and peace.